In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, where an estimated 96 million people will watch the championship game between the LA Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Sure, it's a game. Sure, it's an excuse to gather. Actually, other than Thanksgiving Day, Americans eat more food on Super Bowl Sunday than any other day of the year. Top that with those entertaining and sometimes crazy commercials that you see, those that cost advertisers a whopping $6.5 million per 30-second slot, and Super Bowl Sunday, at least in the United States, is one heck of a party. It's an event that's at the absolute peak of all things sports, year in and year out. But only one team ends up winning. Only one of the teams ends up truly exalted. The other team? Well, better luck next year. With respect to the Super Bowl, the winner really does take it all. So what do we do today? We cheer for our favorite team and hope that they win? Why not? Considering how many people engage with this event, I had a friend one time who didn't like football at all. His name was Casey, and he would have this party at his house that he'd invite the whole neighborhood. And when he put on the, the game, he had the volume really low. But the moment that the commercials came on, it went up to max and he told everybody to be quiet. <laughs> And it was a wonderful gathering. It was in some ways, collectively, a societal holiday. It wasn't a religious holiday, but it was a societal holiday, a time to celebrate. And on this day, the winner takes it all. But the holiday we celebrated in December, Christmas, on Christmas, we prepared for such an event by hearing those words from Isaiah, often sung in Handel's Messiah, every valley should be exalted and every mountain and hill made low, the crooked, straight, and the rough places a plain. Words taken from Isaiah, a prophecy of a new era, a new tomorrow, a life with God where it's not entirely winner-take-all, but rather it's about a Messiah who comes and is available to all equally. A situation where the presence of the Almighty extends not just to the high places, but the low ones too. Where the entire world has the capacity of being loved more fully, more deeply, by a God who chooses to come into the world and be one of us. And like Super Bowl Sunday, we find Jesus in a situation today where he is at the center of everyone's attention. In the words of Luke, 
with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. What Luke is telling us at the heart of this story is that people are gathering from every single place that Jesus went in his life and ministry. Every single place. They, they're gathered to hear what he has to say today. This is big. This wasn't just a band of people along the Jordan River from Jericho. No. This gathering today is special. It's literally an ancient world, Super Bowl-sized crowd gathered to hear what Jesus has to say. But there's kind of a problem here, right? Did you notice it? Jesus is standing in a field on a level place, on a plain. There aren't hills, there aren't valleys. It's flat. It would have been very hard to see him, and even more difficult, it would have been very hard to hear him. Why this scene? Why is it in this way? Matthew's version in Matthew's gospel has Jesus preaching from a mountain. When we've gone on pilgrimage to the Holy Land, we reenact that scene on the hills near the Sea of Galilee. But this message, this vision of Jesus' Beatitudes, those sayings like the blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, and so on and so forth, this version of Jesus' Beatitudes has Jesus standing on a plane. Why? Let's think about this. Why? The intent behind Luke's gospel is that the kingdom of God is here and now because of the person of Jesus. And if we are to believe that the kingdom of God is here and now, then that means that Jesus is at one with us. He's not over us. He's right here with us, right in the middle of this room, just like he was in the middle of this plane when he's preaching. He is not positioned above the crowd. He is with the crowd, and they are with him, just like we believe that he's also with us. And so if we hear the rest of this message today in this context, it's no wonder why Jesus says things more boldly. He's doing a bit of truth-telling. Instead of saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says, blessed are the poor. It's a shift. There's also a number of rather unpleasant woes that Jesus says in this version, but again, how could he have not said them? He was in complete unity with all the people, the joys and the sorrows of the people gathered from all parts of his ministerial world. He was one with them, and they were also part of him, and all were part of God's kingdom. So what do we make of these sayings of Jesus now? What do we do about them? If Jesus is on a plane and is proclaiming that the poor will discover paradise, 
The hungry will be fed, those who mourn will find joy, then we are hearing a call to live out our lives more authentically, more fully, to take seriously what is being said, and to honor the work and ministry of Jesus to keep the work of his kingdom going now. Not to shame ourselves into doing anything, but rather to see what when God loves the world, when God loves the world beyond our thinking, beyond our imagination, when God loves us, you and me, so much that God sends the very presence of the divine to us in Jesus, that when God acts for us, God acts out of love. That when God acts for us, then our call is to learn about the things of God and then act in our world out of love for God, because God loved us first. The Beatitudes are calling us to a recalibration, to a realignment of ourselves, to level out life and living for everyone so that we all have open and unlimited opportunities to realize that life in God's kingdom is really different and fantastic because absolutely everyone who has ever lived or ever will live is included in it. Everyone. But our primary call is always to act out of love. And I have to take time this morning to thank our canon presenter, Holly Herring, for her example in calling us to always act out of love. I wrote about Holly in this last week's e-news, and I'll mention a bit of it now. Since Holly arrived to us in 2017 at Trinity, she has been an exceedingly gracious presence serving as faithful pastor and guide, a brilliant strategic thinker, an innovative liturgist, and a fierce advocate for those in need. Holly has always sought to build bridges from the church into the world, and all of us are greater people because of her presence in ministry among us. And even though Holly will be leaving her ministry here, she continues in ministry. And all of us together continue in ministry to live more fully into this call of the Beatitudes that we hear from Jesus, this call that we have to fulfill this great assembly, the church, to fulfill the church's mission in the world. And that is to restore all people to unity with God and one another in Christ. Although we're going to be separated by distance, the presence of Christ and his love for all of us will hold us together. And today, we say thank you to Holly for a job very well done. We are grateful for you in so many ways. And I'd like to invite all of us to offer her a sign of our appreciation for all that she has done in ministry here at Trinity.
I want to go back and say one more thing about that call that Jesus' beatitudes have upon us to do the work we're given to do, to be able to love more fiercely, to forgive more boldly, to change the world one heart at a time. All of Jesus' teachings sought to equip us to do this, and we can do this. But sometimes we get stuck in a what-if mode. What if COVID doesn't let up? What if we aren't smart enough, good-looking enough? What if we aren't wise enough? What if we aren't? We don't have to look really very far to realize that this congregation at Trinity has had plenty of what-ifs to deal with in our 100-year past. Phoenix is unique being a relatively new city on the frontier, the Wild West, Phoenix, founded in 1881. We're a place for much of our history that's often been overshadowed in the media by some of the cities on the West Coast in California. We're a community that proclaims Jesus and claiming a faith tradition that is intrinsically broad church Episcopalian in a vast sea of people where the majority population practice their faith very differently than we do or do not claim a faith at all. We're a community comprised of people from virtually every age group and our membership is even more geographically expansive than that crowd from Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. We're here as Trinity Cathedral in the heart of Phoenix, and we can claim Jesus' ministry and move it forward in the here and now because we, like Jesus, today we're standing on level ground. That's right, standing on level ground like Jesus in the middle of it all, in the middle of the fastest growing city in America, in the middle of one of the most exciting urban redevelopments of this century, in the middle of huge economic and socioeconomic peaks and valleys. And Trinity is here And Trinity has a call, my friends. Yes, we have a call. We have a call to take that winner-takes-all Super Bowl mentality, and we're called to respond with an overwhelming, powerful, everlasting love. One that brings those down and out up to be fully participatory, to take those high exalted ones, sometimes self-exalted ones, and to exhort them, that is to advocate and encourage and beckon them to see and love their neighbors as themselves. To take those who hurt and to commit to alleviating suffering. In short, to make everybody a somebody, somebody who is wholly, completely, and fully loved by God. We are Trinity, a beacon of hope, 
we're the level place where Jesus stands today. This cathedral campus is the base camp for our life and ministry together, and the Beatitudes that Jesus teaches are ours for the claiming because the kingdom of God is situated very much in the heart of where we are, in our lives, on level ground. It's not distant and removed. It's not above us or below us. It's right here and right now. This mission is not for the purpose of shaming anyone. It's about giving our city and our society and our community life. This isn't about God punishing. It's about God's restoration of everything. It's a call that Jesus made to the largest crowd that he ever spoke to. And it's a call that Jesus shares with us today. The call is for us to love with an unbounded and never-ending love. You have it in you. Jesus gave it to you as a gift. So how does your love shift right now? How does your ministry evolve right now? How do you do something new to help others right now? How do you take Jesus' call of the Beatitudes and make them your own? Your truest and most authentic life awaits you. Our greatest soul-fulfilling times await us. It is so worth it to do this work. Answer the call of the Beatitudes. Answer the call.